yo dudes, this is an evil robot, or whatever. The guys are too busy to record an actual episode, but I've accumulated some clips that are, um, pretty good. Enjoy your podcast, you months. say to my kids like a youtube celebrity is not a real celebrity so well yeah and then the videos that she watches are so annoying like these kids i literally want to jam pointy things in my ears just so i don't have to hear these kids on youtube i'm like they're playing video games yeah go play the video game why are you watching that and it's always like hey guys I think that's actual audio. That's exactly what they sound like. I didn't see the Beauty and the Beast movie. Um, I'm like, I didn't either. That's some serious Stockholm syndrome. So I'm like, yeah. What's the message of that? It's like you know, like if the guy that you're dating or is a jerk, um, don't worry, he'll turn into a human. Like he'll be okay. Yeah, just love him, and he'll turn into a non-beast. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. I mean, cautionary tale, right? Or not a cautionary right. tale. Clifford's a cautionary tale. If you love someone too much, they get really big. Like too big. Yeah. Crush your house. Especially it's if crazy. you feed them all the time, they get really, really big. That's dangerous. So I've, I've discovered that I use, um, you know, you remember those little foam stress balls that they give you in, in your office to keep you from like going postal and strangling people? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I'll tell we, you we, what we, I use mine for after you're done talking. Here. Okay, yeah. I hope it's like for just squeezing, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. Okay, yeah, you just tell your story. So I've dis- I've discovered that um, I was walking through my office holding my Rubik's cube and practicing, and because I just you know practice these little moves, right? And I walked up to this one cubicle, and this lady she looks at me and she says, "You use that thing like a stress ball, don't you?" And I said, as a matter of fact, I, I do. You That's exactly it? what I use it for. Well, no, I just, I'm just but kidding. it gives me something. It gives me, well, I can do that too. It's like a it fidget gives me toy. Something to do. It is. It's like a four dimensional fidget spinner. Right. It's exactly what it's like. And so I, 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 now, I now think of it as a, as a, well, three or four dimensional fidget spinner. But it's just fun. It's just something for me to do with my hands um, while my brain is getting engaged. And so, I find when I'm working because my work is very methodical and meticulous and I have to pay all this attention and I have so little to give to begin with. So what I'll do is I'll stop after a while, 45 minutes or an hour, and I'll take the, the cube and I'll just sit there and I'll solve it a couple times and I'll just be like, ah, oh, you know, just kind of refocus. Good mental break. I'm going to dive back into my – yeah, take a mental break. So that's my awesome. mental break is like I solve puzzles. So That's cool. It's, it is – it's fun. All right.
So I actually work downtown now, so we're a little more professional. But where I worked before, in the consulting company, it's like just a bunch of boys that are just nuts. And uh, my use of my stress ball is I always said, whoever's stressing me, I throw it at them. Yeah. So there you go. But if I did that with a Rubik's Cube, I might get more trouble. I traded a loaf of banana bread for a banjo yesterday. What? Yeah, I traded a loaf of banana bread for a banjo. Is my audio not loud enough? <laughs> no, no, I heard you. I just, <laughs> just not quite sure how to respond to that. <laughs> All right. So, so, so my buddy West, he po- West, not West. My buddy West, he posts on uh, on Facebook. He says, uh, "I got this banjo here. Does anybody want it?" So I message him. And I'm actually, I was out of town at the time, right? And so I'm like texting my wife and I'm like, can I? And she's like, well, ask him what he wants, right? So, so I, I, I message him and I'm like, hey, uh, can I pay you for it? Like, how much, how much do you want for it? And he's like, oh, free for you. And I'm like, so then my wife, you know, she's very wise about these things because I don't really know how to deal with people in general. <laughs> and uh, she says, okay, well, ask him if there's anything you can trade. And so he says... All right, I bet your wife makes a really good loaf of banana bread. So, yeah, we finally had the banana bread baked, and now I have a banjo. I just got to string it and learn how to play it. <laughs> but you have one. Yeah, I'm so stoked about that. Like, I think a lot of, a lot of guitar players would love to have a b- banjo. So, pretty cool. Uh... I read something on Facebook, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it said, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people? Yeah, it's like, I I just think that's bad advice to give people. (laughs) Or maybe it's, maybe the first hurt people is the subject, and then... Oh, and the other... So the predicate is hurt. So hurt people yeah. is the noun. Tend to hurt other people. Hurt yeah. is a verb, and then people is the object. Well, that's not as things. funny. It's not nearly as funny. Hurt people, hurt people. Just repeat it. It's like pizza, pizza. You ever seen that, like, uh, I think it's like a meme or something like that, and it's like this mom that's, like, saying, you know, like, your Uncle Henry died, LOL. What? Yeah, what yeah, you... yeah. Have you heard that before? Or read no, that? I haven't. That's a terrible meme. Okay, okay, but like it's because oh, because she doesn't know what the acronyms mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the mother okay. thinks that it's lots of love. Yes, I have seen that one. So I've begun using that with my family all the time, and I say LOL as in lots of love all the time. So like I'll talk to them on the phone and I'll be like LOL. I've just I've just started. I'm like I don't know what do you call it. I'm appropriating that. Because I like it. Hey, you Did ever you... heard about that whole thing that like, uh, like being mad or being disappointed is worse than being mad? Mm, no, never heard that. Tell okay, me more. It's like, it's, like, it's like when your dad says to you, it's like, you know, I, I'm not mad at you, Jeff. I'm just disappointed. And <laughs> and some, I'm thinking, some, somehow that's goodness. supposed to be worse. Exactly. Exactly. So this is what I would say. So it's like, I'm not bad. I'm just disappointed. I'll be like, 
So we good then? Yeah. So I can live with you I was, being I disappointed. Was scared. Yeah, it's like I was scared you were going to be mad, but if you're just disappointed, like I can live with that. I don't know. I'm never up on on all the new lingo and terminology at all. Linguistic. All the kids are shipping and vaping. <laughs> I had someone say yeet to me today, and I still have no clue what that means. Uh, yeet. Yeet. I, I still don't know. I, I, I think it's something to do with a video game, but I'm not sure what. No idea. I, I just clues, went, okay. Guys, <laughs> listeners out there, our, our mastermind minions out there, if you know what yeet means, let us know. Term used to express excitement. Especially used in basketball when someone has shot a three-pointer that they are sure will go in the hoop. <laughs> I love like saying this stuff like like the most unhip person ever. <laughs> As you can see by these very official definitions, use of the word "yeet" has been steadily evolving over time. <laughs> oh, there's more. There's a backstory to this. It's a backstory to this. I got to hear this. What does Ute mean and how do you use it? Here's the backstory on how the dance craze that's now going super viral. Oh my gosh, this is long. Okay, yeah. So maybe. it's a dance and. Oh, it's, it's a dance! So, so it's a dance thing on Vine called Yeet. Hashtag Yeet. It's pound signed Yeet. <laughs> pound signed Okay. Oh, wow. I think we're showing our age here, guys. It is a phenomenon that started back in February 2014, but it didn't really pick up until a kid who goes by the name Lil Meatball posted a video <laughs> claiming he can do bet it better than Lil Tarrio. Wow, what's with the Lils? How small are these guys? Lil. I've got so many questions. <laughs> Lil Meatball is a 13-year-old <laughs> from Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Lil Meatball. Oh, just... All right, so it's a dance. It's a dance. A term made famous from a dance on Vine and can now be used as an exclamation. So it means excitement, and it could involve basketball or dancing in summary. There we go. Hey, I was watching a movie or a TV show. That's set in the 60s. And I noticed that one of the ladies said toodaloo <laughs> at the end <laughs> of the conversation. And I'm like, I think we should bring that back. <laughs> and so I Googled it because I'm like, what's the origin of it? Right? <laughs> and um, I found this on a website on the Internet. Oh. Dang, I was going to put the source on here, but I don't see it on here. Anyways. So the definition is goodbye, turns out. <laughs> and there's like two ways to spell it. It's like toodle dash o-o, ooh. Or there's toodle as two words, toodle and then loo. That's like with an L-E. Huh. Yeah. But um, it actually comes from the word toddle, which means to walk in a relaxed manner. Toddle off appeared in the late <laughs> 1800s and means to walk away or to leave. Hey, hey, toddle off. I don't know if I like the sound of that. No, it sounds a little, uh, little much. 
Toodaloo appeared shortly afterward in the early 1900s. It is unclear exactly how or why the loo got added. Now you know. Still very little. Anyways, I'm obsessed with this idea about humility, and I feel like it's, it's, it's like a puzzle to figure out, and I feel like it's a journey that I don't know if I'll ever solve it. Have you, but it's like kind of have a you considered mystery. becoming a Calvinist yet? <laughs> they're probably the most humble people I know. Are they? <laughs> yes, they're always talking about how terrible they are. It's almost like there's an Olympics. So who can be yeah, the but worst sinner? But 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 that's not. See, that's not humility. Oh. That is false humility, right? That's false humility. Right. Which I guess makes you wonder when, when, when Paul was saying I'm the worst sinner, was he really being humble or was that false humility? That's kind of crazy. I think I'm, I'm okay saying that I think he was actually being like, he humble. He was being honest. Yeah. Is he the worst sinner though? I mean Hitler's pretty bad. Hitler didn't exist at that time. Oh, okay. So, so Hitler's the new worst sinner? I don't know. Maybe. Um, whenever someone has a baby, <laughs> I always find it funny. That they always list the weight. Yes. It's like, yeah, so we had a baby. His name is Bob. He's a boy. Yeah, yeah, but how much does he weigh? I've got to know. <laughs> how much does he weigh? Oh, that's, that's heavy, I think. I don't know. For me, it's, it's not the weight as much. It's the length. <laughs> yeah. Like, how, I don't, how do I? I don't matter if he's 21 inches long. How wide is he? Yeah, like for, so for weight, I can, I can just I can understand a little bit because you got big old babies. Yeah, yeah. But the length is like it. I, it was it was all in like the fetal position, right? So it doesn't matter that it was twenty one inches, twenty five, whatever. It is. I don't know what normal length for things. But I know normal baby weight though is like between eight and like nine pounds. I wonder if it was like nine. we have had a baby and people are like, yeah, what does it look like? You know what? Yeah, it looks like a baby. So, <laughs> what distinguishes this baby from that baby over there? Well, um, it's a boy. Okay, okay, but like we need more detail. Well, how about we weigh it and measure it? Yeah. And then we got something to tell people. That's a big baby. It's like babies are boring. <laughs> yes. One of the scriptures I I think about a lot is like the time when like Peter says to Jesus, he's like, "No, Lord, you cannot be crucified." And then Jesus like comes back at him with like, "Get behind me, Satan." Yeah. Which is like the freakiest thing. It's like he just kind of called him Satan. Did you are you Satan? Yeah. Yeah. But I was thinking about that. I was like um I actually was having a conversation with yeah. <laughs> oh no, you've lost it. Come back. Sorry. Distracted. Okay. Anyways, Girl. so I, I was thinking, you know, like it would be cool to have, you know, a friend to tell me, get behind me, Satan, when I'm talking crazy. Wow. So, so far, like, yeah, ladies don't like saying that, apparently. I could see you not. It might be seen as being arrogant. It wouldn't really be fair for me to ask my kids to say that to me, so. Maybe I just no. need a good friend that'll do it. Just wait. When you walk into Heresy Land, I'm going to do it. <laughs> just don't trip on my tail. Uh, I, yeah. 
Anyways, I just think it'd be funny to add that to our vernacular. So I had the pleasure of going on a date with my daughter. Um, and she said something really interesting to me. She said that uh, she was like watching this video and they said, the prettiest eyes, the prettiest eyes have cried. And the most beautiful smiles have experienced the most pain. Now, after she said that, I was like, so does that mean that ugly people don't have feelings? (laughs) I quickly kind of had to back paddle and say there's no such thing as ugly people because all people are made in the image of God. But, like, my gosh, that joke really works. Yeah. Okay. How, How old is your daughter? She is... Nine. Ah, yes. Actually, turning so, nine. But yeah. I think there is a truth to. So, I think that phrase is kind of, you know, romanticizing sorrow and suffering and stuff like that. Right. But I do think there is something to it in the sense that if we, like, when we go through stuff that's terrible, we appreciate the good times that much more. Right. And, um, and it's the people who, who do have that beautiful smile and they have experienced a lot of pain that when it is something, even a small thing, they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so much. This is amazing. True. Um, you radiate. Let's say I get like $50 for my birthday, right? Okay. I'm going to take that $50. I'm going to go to the casino. And mm-hmm. my job is, is to spend all that $50. Now, if I spend all that $50 and lose all of it, Okay, that's fun. Makes for a great story. Now, if I spend that $50 and I go up to $200 and then I lose that $200, well, that's kind of a cool story, too. I'm going to stay until I spent all that $200. Yeah. Now, (laughs) if I spend that $50, I end up with $2,000 and I end up losing $2,000. I think that would be a really epic story because the goal is to walk out with $0. that is the exact, not at all the where I was thinking you were going with that. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think at some point, if it's like you've reached peak epicness because you're no longer like when you go, oh, yes, I won $10,000 and then I just dropped it all on like red 12 <laughs> and I lost it. And then at that point, okay, now, now you've stopped being epic and now, now no one likes you. Okay, okay, but like, okay, this is the thing though is what really happened is I lost $50. No matter how much I win and lose, I only lost $50. And that $50 wasn't even mine. So really, you know, like I didn't earn it, right? Like I just got it for my birthday, right? So it's not even my own $50 that I spent to begin with. It was a $50 that I basically found. So it's just like, what do I have to lose? Yes. I totally, see, and that's kind of the mindset, like, you know, like you watch like the game shows and the people have to game. Like, oh, if you go past this level, you may not make it. That's like, no, go, go past the level. You didn't start with anything, so just go ahead and risk it. Go yeah. for you know it all, and then go from there. Um, but I just think I don't know that the goal should be leave with zero. I think I guess that's my more my issue is should your goal be leave with zero, or at some point are you starting to be a bad steward if you won two thousand dollars and then you go and you blow that all. But I still view that $2,000 as, like, whose $2,000 do I have here? Like, how many of these people Jesus. that contribute? So I was at, I was at church, and um, this guy was, like, actually, he was one of the pastors. 
and he comes up to us in the worship team, and he's like, you guys sounded really good this morning. Like, and we were just practicing, right? Mm. And one of my buddies is like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, can't argue with that. Uh, and then I was like thinking, man, that's just like a great thing to say when someone compliments you. Yeah. You know what? It's that's because like, you're not being, um, you're not dismissing it. You're also not like necessarily relishing in it. You're just affirming that what you've said is true. That's a really good way to be humbly confident. Well, you know, it was kind of funny because right after that, the pastor said to me, pride cometh before the fall. I was like, yeah. And I'm like, it's funny, though. <laughs> and so, you can't argue with Yeah. So I was like thinking about that. And I'm like, okay, so like, you know, someone says, wow, wow, you look really good today. Can't argue with that. <laughs> I just think it's a funny response. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite podcasts I co-host with you. Can't argue with that. No, you can't. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I was slow on that because I thought you were being genuine. I was like, really, already? No, I mean, well, it is, but it's all good. <laughs> so, it's, so the question is, when you do setups like that, do you say something that literally they, you could not argue with because it is a statement of fact? Or does it just something where you're like, you kind of hold on. So like, if I say, we're all breathing right now. Can't argue with that. Exactly. So then what do you do? Okay, well, cool. Or do you like, anyway, I got to ponder on this one. Okay, now. Next level, what if, instead of amen, we started saying, <gasps> can't argue with that? Yes. Okay, there is Isn't one side God problem Isn't God great? Can't argue with that. But it's like the whole congregation saying that at once. Can't, can't argue, argue with that. No, you gotta do a little, you gotta go to a charismatic church. They're like, can't argue with that. <laughs> gotta have the multiple, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> When I first had kids, when they were little, I kind of had this thing where I liked to kind of um, jokingly, I don't know, look down on them. <laughs> so like my kid would be like, I don't know, sitting in a chair and I'd be like, oh, look, he's sitting in a chair just like a real person. And I just would say that about everything they did. It was so much fun. And, uh, yeah, I was at the store with my 15-year-old, and I think he bought something. It was something like that, and I, I kind of looked at him like, oh, look, he's paying for his deodorant, just like a real person. Then I realized he's 15. It doesn't work anymore. He's an actual person now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you ever go to, like, a concert or whatever, and, like, the rock star is all like, how y'all doing? How do you usually respond to that? I nod. Nod. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was like thinking, ah, somewhat okay. I mean, I mean, are we supposed to be honest at that point, or you know, are we just supposed to you know give the obvious answer of woohoo? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what if like you walked into you know you walked into <laughs> church and someone says like, how are you doing today? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> hey, I learned this new thing at a concert last night. Let me try it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love hurting people more than I love broken people because it's funnier. So, wait, you like causing people pain more no, than you like No, 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 there's the people that hurt, hurting people. 
Oh. Well, yeah. But it's so just sad. way funnier to state it that way, isn't it? Yes. It's like, it's like being, oh, um, I love broken people. That's not funny. But saying I love hurting people. That's really bad. One of the lessons I tried to teach my students when I was teaching high school, um, which the parents did not like, like there were two words that you were not allowed to say. And I, I taught at a Christian school, but I didn't. I wasn't the grammar police. You could say what you wanted to say, profanity. I didn't. I was like, I'm not policing your speech. But you couldn't say fair or deserve. So students can say that wasn't fair. I deserve those. Mm. Those would get you, you know, in trouble quickly. Um, because I'm like, look, that one, going back to Scott Adams, that is loser think. Mm-hmm. As soon as you set yourself up as deserving something, it it really makes you kind of quit a little bit. Yeah. Because you you know. Yep. Um. Absolutely. Entitlement my, in all forms is such a negative thing. I'm, a, I'm surprised to hear you say that, being from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's it, though. That's where things break down, because whether it's like, well, I worked hard for this, therefore I'm entitled. Well, you're like, you're not really understanding that even just having the ability to work, right? Like, there's... There are a lot of things that went into bringing you where you are, right? And so for you to feel entitlement for anything, like even, you know, love. I mean, it's like I'm entitled to the love of my wife. And it's like, really? How many times have you let her down, right? Like there's, mm. there's just so much into it. It's like it's almost like everything we have is the result of grace. And so yeah. we need to have gratitude. We deserve hell. Everything else is icing. Yeah. AF is just a, it's a colloquialism for a lot. Oh, okay, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's like some it's like uh, Latin or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so I asked this question that I thought would be a lot of fun. Um, I said, uh, "Are we all going to be naked in heaven?" And uh, I don't know. What do you think? Are we going to well, be naked in heaven? As a dinosaur, we're we have like our scales and whatever, so we're mm. technically always without clothes. But um, for y'all humans, there, that is an interesting thing because we were originally, um, you know, naked, naked, but we didn't feel any shame, and they got the clothes to cover up the shame of being naked. So, and that actually gets into one of my favorite Bible verses, but that's a whole other um, thing. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's like some scripture someone brought up that was set, you know, talked about robes of white and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I guess maybe we oh, will be wearing robes or whatever. So yeah, um, that is yeah, it's in Revelation. It talks about um, I love robes of white. Yeah, and honestly, I was thinking about before the fall, but what really like really got me thinking about this is I've been listening to a series um, of podcasts. It's it's called You Have Permission, and they were talking about. Um, end times anxiety that people had. And oh yeah, back in the day, yeah. especially after the tribulation stuff going on and left behind all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and because of those left behind books and everything, and um, and so I was thinking about how like in the movies they always like they have their clothes, and it's all neat. You know, their clothes are neatly folded and placed on a chair, and they've yes. disappeared. 
And I'm like, where are all these naked people going? And then I thought, that would be a funny tweet. And it turns out it was a funny tweet. Favorite response, besides the creepy guy that said, I hope so. Um, oh, my. <laughs> yeah. That was not me, by the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, wait. I'm All sorry. Right. <laughs> Got me off. Um, off, off task here. Um, no, it was it was somebody who said, "I hope not," because I really like having pockets. Oh, that is so important. Oh, that warranted a follow. Um, I was thinking about how we call baby boomers, um, boomers. Boomers. Right? Yep. Why can't we call them baby? And so instead of okay boomer, it would be okay baby. Uh, because that, I that sounds weird. It's a lot. Because that's not the meaning enough, I guess you could say. (laughs) Okay, baby. All right. Uh, Maybe uh, I can see where that's wrong. Yo, guys, this chimpocalypse thing is crazy, and I have ice in my mouth. Just doing that. This chimpocalypse thing is crazy. It's like I, to get to the grocery store, you cannot avoid the chimps. The the monkeys are everywhere. I tried to go into my car and do something. Boom, monkey on there throwing bananas at me. Feces everywhere. It is terrible. That's why there's no toilet paper because people are using the toilet paper to clean up all the feces from the monkeys. It's It's crazy to me how many people are more concerned about figuring out how we got there than they are concerned about how we're going to get out of it. You know what I mean? It's like you spend all your energy, oh, well, it's your fault because blah, 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 and you did this, and and it's like, okay, but but the problem is is we need to get out of here. Like we, I I don't know, crashed the car. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're the one that was on your cell phone. Well, that doesn't matter right now. Like, I mean, oh, yeah, next time, next time I'm not going to be on my cell phone when driving. Are you happy now? But like, it's like we need to we need to fix the problem. So it's like why? And maybe part of it is how people grieve differently. Mm -hmm. And like some people, that's how they grieve. And um, Jimmy and I were talking a bit about this before we started recording. And he mentioned scapegoating. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rene Girard, if you guys aren't familiar with him, kind of a recently passed French theologian, uh, talked a lot about how our societies are always looking for a scapegoat. And we do it as kind of a way of atoning for sin at the end of the day. And ultimately, we're looking for somebody to blame because once we can place the blame on the goat and drive it out from our midst and make a sacrifice, then all the problems associated with that goat go with it. And, you know, he looks mm. at the he looks at the Old Testament um, in regard to the Levitical practice of scapegoating, where they the Jews would actually, you know, the priest would say his thing. He would kill one goat and then place the burdens and sins of Israel on another goat and then drive it out into the wilderness. Um, and, you know, culturally, he says, we're kind of always— looking to do the same thing and society's always in those tensions and those tensions ebb and flow constantly. Um, and that's how Jesus ended up dying because, you know, it was better that one Jew should die than the entire nation be, uh, destroyed by the Romans was their philosophy. So, So they found their troublemaker and they said, off you go. 
Um, and so, you know, whether it's Jesus, whether it's a literal goat in the Old Testament, or whether it is, you know, Trump or the Chinese or, you know, the wh- whoever, um, we, we're always looking for somebody to place the blame on so we can send them away and in hopes that that will alleviate our problems. That's so irrational, though. That's crazy. And I, I guess I've been in that situation, too, like, right. um, interpersonally, where it's like someone will start getting angry, and I'm like, okay, well, this anger is not going to get us anywhere. I'm like, if you're going to be angry, like, use that anger to propel us out of here somehow, you know? Right. It doesn't – it just doesn't make sense to get bogged down in anger when it's like our energy needs to be used to fix the situation. And right. I was going to make the joke about scapegoat. I couldn't find a spot for it, but I'm like, go. <laughs> yeah. Let's try this again. Scape greatest of all time. That is the title. Oh, no. mic drop. So I, one of the TikToks I was watching was a guy who's, I, I think, a psychologist. And he talked about what he calls the reticular activation system. And it's like this system in your brain that just kind of like, it's almost like an algorithm. Like, you know how like when you go on like, well, Facebook or Twitter and now like with TikTok, it's like, oh, here's some things you might like. But it's like your brain works like that. And so when you get into like negative thought patterns in like a relationship, um, you're like, oh, you know, oh, they never they never, you know, rinse their dishes and put them in the dishwasher. I hate that. Oh, I also hate that socks are on the floor. And I also hate this. And it's like now the algorithm that's in your brain is looking for those yep. negative things all the time. And so what he yep. said is like, okay, so if you have a loved one that you need to get out of that cycle with, he's like, what you need to do is take a piece of paper and write down five things that you really love about them, five things that are very positive about them, and read that every morning. And it'll start reframing your relationship completely. Yeah. And you I was like, break that cycle. fascinating. That, you know, and it's like, and I think gratitude, it's like gratitude is the antidote to that downward spiral. Um, there's a guy, he's, uh, I think it's Erwin McManus who was uh, interviewed on this show, Lewis Howes, Howes, The School of Greatness. And he talked about how um, when you get into that that spiral, you're now in the, I think it's the the amygdala, the lizard brain that you get into, where it's like fight, flight, or freeze, right? And he's like, Mm -hmm. the best way to get out of fight, flight, or freeze is to actually have gratitude. And this guy's a pastor, so it's like very straightforward. It's like be thankful to God for where you are, right? right? And it's like we're in the midst of this coronavirus lockdown where people can't get out of their houses and you know, like only essential workers are going to work and they're risking their lives every day and it's all this stuff, right? But it's like, okay, hold on right. though. Hold on though. It's like if I'm an essential worker, it's like, I still have a job. There's a lot of people that don't yeah. have a job. I can be thankful for that. But he said, like, the yeah. moment you get out of that, like, you know, kind of, oh, my gosh, there's all this stuff going on, and it's terrible, and the whole world is terrible. The moment you get out of that and you start having gratitude, the creative part of your brain, 
whatever that is. Is that the prefrontal cortex? I, I don't know, brain. But um, that's know. what kicks in, and then you're way more creative at problem solving. And so, like, there's this, like, right. the practice of gratitude, and whether it's in a relationship that's straining on you, or whether it's your situation where you're stuck in your house, it's like gratitude is such a solution. Like, my gosh, like, I have a house that I am totally okay with being in for, like, three, four weeks or however long it's going to be. It's big enough for all mm-hmm. of us. It's wonderful. And it's like, that's a blessing. It is. It very much is. And what happens is when, when you have those kind of um, the, the negative connectivities and the trust issues and, and all the cynicism and the, you know, you end up with these guys who are just wrapped up in conspiracy theories because they don't yeah. trust anything. Yeah, you know, and everything is everything is a threat. Everything is not what it seems. Everything yeah. is a conspiracy. Yeah, and you just like, you step back from that and you go, these guys are insane. But when yeah. you look at it, it's because at some point in their past, they were horribly broken by some kind of trust issue that forced them to be that way. Okay, I definitely did not add this to the list, but question is, have you watched Tiger King yet? Yes. Yes, we did. You did? Yeah, it's um, it was what? good. That guy, he's got like a crazy mustache. I, I thought you were more loyal. Lots of tigers. And um, Carol definitely killed her husband. I hate Carol so much. Absolutely. She's the worst person to ever exist. Are you ready for the Nick Cage miniseries? Yes. <laughs> yeah, do you have any comments on Tiger King? Uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm debating on whether I should make something up or just say I didn't watch it because wait a oh, second, I, you I, guys I, are making this up? Yeah, I didn't watch it, but I, I saw all the reactions online, and um, I just thought you would think I was cool if I pretended I did. John, I already thought you were cool, man. <laughs> you poor, you you're poor so thing. sweet, Jimmy. So, I mean, so let me get this right, okay. Sweet, let, sweet let Jimmy, the talking table. At where do we draw the line in a part to where we don't become hypocrites? Because I think if it's a situation where like, I will gatekeep you or I will tolerate you because you agree with me, I think that's for sure hypocritical. But then if it's a, but I think, I think there can be a balance to where we are intolerant of, no, we are but we don't tolerate intolerance. Yeah, we're intolerant or intolerant. Whatever the self-defeating version of that is, I think there's a way See, to I've do that. I've never really being... totally bought into this whole the intolerance should be tolerant of tolerant intolerance. Like I, I've never really bought into that notion because uh-huh. I'm like it's it's like um, I'm for freedom of speech. Therefore, I need to be okay with people saying we need to shut down free freedom of speech. You know, like, yeah. I, I think there's kind of a self-defeating there that I'm like, well, no, that's dumb. Like, I've, I've decided that we're going to be in a, a society where we do tolerate. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not going to foster that kind of environment, then you're going to work against that environment existing. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to have an, a, a, this um, type of environment, right? Yeah. It's an inclusive environment. And so if you're going to try to be exclusive, then 
you cannot be in this environment. Like you cannot have that kind of influence over us because it's, it's ruining this environment. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know using words, you can be like saying, Oh, well, uh, you're being a gatekeeper on the gatekeepers. And it's like, yeah, yeah. sure. Sure. You could say that, but I'm, what I'm saying is there's no gatekeeper. So stop mm-hmm. being a gatekeeper. That's not what we do here. You yeah. know? And it's like, I think it's the same thing. If you truly want a tolerant society, it's like, yeah, you have to not tolerate intolerance. Like it's right. And I mean, like varying points of view. Absolutely. Right. And you got to try to foster that as much as possible. And there is a point where, you know, people who say they're intolerant are being only tolerant to people that see things the way they do. And I think that's where it becomes. Right. But, but in itself, Wanting intolerance will result in you not tolerating people who are working against you. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's almost like you got to have a, a set list of this is what is acceptable. Mm-hmm. And this is what we will consider this. If you do not believe this way, then you are not. Um, well, who gets to decide who? I guess the, it's a, kind of like a social contract type thing. Yeah. I, I feel like there's what what's really interesting to me is I feel like people are like okay I'm there are certain avenues where I am an ambassador for Christ and then there's certain areas within my life where I have a suspension of ethics so it's kind of like when you go to your Charlotte Checkers game and you're I'm watching your to remember team play. That. <laughs> And they're playing, I don't know, Houston Astros. Not Houston Astros. Toronto oh, Marlies. Toronto Marlies. Toronto Marlies. And you just, you just want to bash the Toronto Marlies all the time. Right. You've kind of taken off that ethic of being a Christian and loving your enemies. And right. you're like, yeah. And when you see, you know, that kid miss his shot. And let's say it's like overtime. It's playoffs. It's Calder Cup, and he missed his shot, and he's crying. And you look at him, and you see the tears in his eyes, and you point at him, and you laugh. Right. Like, that's a suspension of ethics. And I feel like people are doing that also with politics. Yep. And they're able to say, yes, President Bleep really burnt all of those people. Yes, he owned them. Own the libs. In their face, because I hate them, you know? And it's just like, I, I, don't, I don't think we should be suspending our ethics in right. any avenue. I think you can go to your Charlotte Checkers game, be happy that your team won without hating the other people. <laughs> I, I think that. And I think if we can Good. do that with sports, we can do that with politics. All right. I think we can actually hear people out because honestly i really do believe that even the people that crucified jesus thought they were doing the right thing right totally. I actually had a bit of a debate on facebook about that because i asked do you think that the jews thought jesus was a heretic but the fact that jesus on the cross says father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing right i'm like i think that could be evidence that they legitimately thought they were doing the right thing i think there were nazis that legitimately thought they were doing the right thing heck 
Hitler may very well have thought he was doing the right thing. So to assume the ill intentions right. of President Bleep mm. or Justin Bleep or, you know, anybody and just say, oh, well, they're just doing this because they're terrible people and they hate everyone. I'm like, no, I think they legitimately think they're doing the right thing. So let's talk about that issue and talk about why we like yellow bananas better than orange bananas. Honestly, I've never seen orange bananas. I don't know why I did that. I would be so confused. I think at some level, we all find our identity in our sin. Um, sanctification is a process of peeling back the layers of false identity and getting closer to our true God-given identity. Um, and it's just funny how like there's specific sins that are addressed so publicly and so politically. And we're like, well, those people identify with their sin and, and, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, we all do. Like it's a human condition. We all identify with our sin at some level. It's kind of like, well, I'm a, I'm an opinionated person and you're just a jerk to everybody. And it's like, but it's who I am. That's the, I'm the guy that speaks his mind. And it's like, no, that's, that's sin. Like you're not using gentleness. I don't see the fruits of the spirit, but it's like, but the fruits of the spirit aren't part of my personality. Right. And um, it just got me thinking, you know, like a true, you know, the true fruit of a believer is being willing to work on those things and, and to allow you know, the Holy Spirit to overtake you and there should be a shift, right? Yeah. Well, and, and also too, it's, it's, that's the whole point of, of when you start getting into doctrine and theology mm. of you begin to separate out justification from sanctification. I think that everybody fo- mm. focuses so much on the justification. They're like, yeah, I became a Christian. I'm saved. That's it. And it's like, yeah. well, there's this whole rest of your life. That's the, the sanctification part, which is where the Holy Spirit is making you more Christ-like, literally yeah. for the rest of your life. If you're not going through that, maybe we got to go back. We got to deal with this whole justification thing and kind of start over a little bit. And that, that's that's kind of one of those. That's kind of one of those things. And and I think to a certain degree, everybody oftentimes they get they get comfortable with where they are and they don't actually want to put in the hard work of growing and bettering themselves and getting out of their comfort zone. And then it's just, it's easier to try to make excuses than it is to say, you know what, I need to knock this off and I need, I need to get better. Cause it's like, nobody wants to admit that they're wrong. I think that's one of the hardest things for people to do today is admit that they're wrong. That's nuts though. Like, you know, like, it's like, if you can't admit you're wrong, how do you grow as a human being? Like life is a series of steps in changing as a human being and it's like and it's it's weird to me that people just get stuck at a certain point and decide yeah okay i'm done i'm done growing and i'm like you're not you're not alive anymore like it's like that's that's a cage you need to bust the reason why the ranking and i see this all the time everywhere the reason for the ranking is because if you're able to put somebody down that lifts you up that's the mentality, right? So it's like, President Bleep is a terrible person. There, I said it. Now I'm a good person. Right. And it's just so silly. Like, I'm like, I think, I really believe that humility requires a certain amount of confidence. Right. And it's like, so if we're able to stop talking about ourselves, we first need to have a certain amount of confidence that it's okay to disappear for a bit. And like, it's, I, I love this like notion of like confidence, truly confident people 
make people around them confident. You know, it's not about me exerting right. my confidence for people. Right. It's about me figuring out how to make other people confident because, you know, I'm good. My right. cup is full. In fact, my cup is overflowing. Right. I want to buy Elon Musk. <laughs> and I'm thinking if I like were to do like a Kickstarter, um, I could probably drum up like a hundred billion dollars. And I think that's <laughs> enough to buy Elon Musk. What do you think? You're a money guy. Well, you know, his stock just tumbled uh, 25% in the last two or three days after a dramatic rise. So you might be able to get him on discount right now, you know, so maybe you can even get a two for one deal if uh, you, you know, play the market right uh, yeah. there. But, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to own people because, well, I think we've had, I think our countries have had that conversation at some point about the entire owning people thing. Um, it stopped being cool a while back. We can agree to disagree on this, Jimmy. And, I do uh, think that, I, I do think that serving can sanctify you. Yeah. I think maybe it's different if you're teaching. If you're going to teach people the wrong things, then like maybe you shouldn't be. Yeah, that's fair. Because teachers are held to a higher standard. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts, Jimmy? I think it depends. Okay. What are you doing in the church to in, in your service capacity? If you're dealing in, if you're in any sort of, like I would say, leadership position where you're being held up as some sort of model as mm -hmm. to other Christians should be like, then no, you need to have your poop in a group. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know what that phrase means, so I hope I'm using it right. Um, yeah, I know some days my poop's just everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. On the ceiling, it's on the wall. Um, but uh, I think, you know, I don't think the Lord is expecting everybody to always have all their stuff together before they serve in some sort of capacity, whether it's helping out or in some manner. Um, I think that'll be up for the individual churches to decide. Um, yeah. But uh, I would say the churches should also be careful of saying, oh, well, you know, they're just a singer, so. There's a lot of language in Christianity we don't think too much about. Um, like as when I was a worship leader, I would use that time to like actually explain the songs in between, which <laughs> was probably either awesome or like really annoying for people. <laughs> but um, so I was thinking about like I was actually in worship and this is one of those things too. like it's, it's different worshiping at home, I find. I'm not yes. big on like, I'm going to sing to the TV right now. But um, there was a song that talked about banners. And I was like, what, what's the deal with banners and worship songs? And so I looked up what was the meaning of banners, you know, biblically. Yeah. And it's like a, a banner was used to identify whether someone was a friend or foe. Um, it also signaled specific attacks or retreat. By flying flags in specific manners, they indicated where the battle line is. And they also identified allies. I was like, dang. So like waving a banner. When we say we wave banners, it's like I'm identifying who my friend is. Mm. I'm signaling we're moving. This is where we're going. Um, 
and I'm identifying that this is my ally. Beautiful, hey? I think yeah. it, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Just I, enhancing I, your worship, yo. Well, and see, like, that, that, that's the thing is I feel like a lot of times we, we sing those worship songs, and we have no idea what we're actually singing. We're just singing. Yeah. It, like, it sounds good. Uh, but it was interesting. I m- remember uh, there was this guy, Jeremy Kingsley, and uh, he, was, he, was, he was one of my favorite camp speakers growing up, and I've still kind of kept in touch with him. And he's now writing books and doing all this kind of stuff now. But I remember, I remember one of the things that stuck with me, and this is probably going back 20 years now, but literally I remember, I remember him saying, he's like, when I'm singing a worship song, He's like, I, I physically do what I'm singing because he's like, otherwise, I feel like I'm lying. So like when it's saying, you know, I raise my hands, if you're not raising your hands, you're kind of lying to God by saying that you are. And so he's like, he's like, I would literally like talking about bowing down. It's like I get down on the ground and bow, it, bow down. Everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, but dude, yeah. I'm just trying to be honest. Yeah, exactly. That's well, a it's very like, interesting point. Do you remember that song? I will dance like David dance. Yes, when the spirit of the Lord. Like, dudes, we all gotta strip down to our underwear and dance. <laughs> and Micah's all like, oh, David, you're embarrassing me. Again. Micah was such a killjoy. She was. She didn't no. understand that with David, there were no rules. He was practically no. a pastor. He was practically. Oh, my goodness. Jimmy, I know you asked this. Do you like your own social media posts? What? Why would I ask that? Because you do. Oh. Wait, hold up. I feel bad now. I I left uh, I left John by himself for like comedic <laughs> effect. <laughs> it's all good. That was funny. <laughs> okay. Not, fine. We'll just leave it there. I'm gonna pull a Costanza. Next topic. Let's go. Yeah. You know the thing. Anyways. No, okay. You, if if you like your own social media, I don't know who, why you put this, whoever did it or whatever. If you like your own social media posts, you have a problem. There is no reason on this side of heaven that you need to be liking your own posts. You're not that funny. (laughs) Nobody cares that much. You don't. It's it's terrible. And I don't know who does it. And I'm sorry. I had a friend who had a girlfriend, and she would like her own posts and do funny reactions to whenever she did jokes and it was really annoying and he didn't think she was a psycho she ended up being a psycho and that's that's my thoughts on that have a great day it's because he's in enneagram three if i don't like what i say (laughs) why do i if i don't like what i say why do i even say it you're not supposed to laugh at your own jokes it's like a comedian going up there now mitch hedberg can do it because he's awesome like that Sinbad and Seinfeld and Robin Williams and all those guys will be in the middle of telling a joke and then they'll start just laughing at the thought that popped in their head and they go with it. And sometimes they can't even barely tell it because they're laughing so hard. Those are the best jokes. When you can make your own self laugh when you know your own punchline, that's amazing. It's like it's like tickling yourself. Well, so the answer is Theo and I don't, but you do because you're an Enneagram 3. Ew, this is just, oh my, how are we on the same podcast together? I, ca- I can't even right now. Well, that was, um, really something. Happy holidays, and we will be back with some actual episodes in 2021. Much love. Catch you on the flippity floppity. Air smudge.